0: Welcome to Dad Will Know, a podcast about fatherhood, its ups and downs, its challenges and rewards, where at times a father and son discuss life pertaining to father-son relationships and other times two fathers discuss their fatherhood experiences and the fulfillment fatherhood provides when you embrace its power. I'm Drew Duraney and I'm your host. Hey Kyle, it's good to see you. Yeah, you too, Drew. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I love talking about fatherhood and, uh, you know, it's uh refresh my memory. How old are your kids? Uh, th- uh, six,
1: nine and 11. Almost said three.
0: <laughs> we got six. well, you have three, so that's OK. Uh, you got six, nine and 11. So give me in birth order and gender and
1: that whole stuff. To start well, that one's easy. All girls. All, right.
0: <laughs> All girls. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. So, yep. girls, so, wow, six. What do you say? Six, nine and what? Eleven, six, nine and eleven. So every two years. Got it. OK, well, not really through first, the first one and then three. And I, So, you know what? This, this is a good way It's give me a good idea on how to start this thing. So when you met your wife. I'm curious what your mindset was and if and, and the reason I ask is because a lot of guys, have certain expectations when they meet that woman they're going to marry, and it could go in any direction. So out of curiosity, when you first met, did you guys have or what conversations did you have about some of the important things that a lot of young couples don't talk about where they might find out mid-marriage and be like, holy, what the heck did I get into? so how were those early conversations you guys had when you first met
1: so let me let me frame up a little bit how we met okay good 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 when i was when i was in college three of my buddy or two of my buddies and i lived together in a house and we were all single we were in our like actually it was a post-college and so we were all 22 23 24 years old Mm -hmm. and just a wee bit frustrated with the fact that we were all still single and we felt very eligible. We were healthy, gainfully employed. The house we were living in, my buddy and I had purchased and we were in our low twenties and we had a, a, a condo together so we were in a good place. And we're like, why do no women give a crap about us? What's going on? Here? <laughs> okay. And so we had we had a meeting. We decided to have a meeting okay. and sit together. And we actually did some prayer, but sit together and talk about, okay, what is going on here? Talked about it, prayed about it. And then within a year and a half, we were all engaged.
0: <laughs> really cool. Really cool. I love it.
1: Yeah. So, and all the women came from different states. One from North Carolina, another one from Kentucky, and my wife from Michigan. And so, and where were you all, you guys, at that time? What state? California on the coast. of California. California. Okay.
0: This is yeah. So
1: they all, by circumstances, which would take way too long to explain, but circumstances ended up in California again, or for the first time. Yeah. And the other part of the back to, to to get to the answer to your question, the other part is, I had spent. A lot of time trying to define what I wanted in a woman mm-hmm. and wanted to really lay it out there and so I was driving between San Luis Obispo California and Sacramento California to go visit my friend mm-hmm. and I was on the way I was just laying out my list I'm like you know I have, I have a faith and so I was talking to God I'm like this is what I want in my in my wife and I laid out everything from like that her parents are still married, that she's a Christian, that she likes hiking, that she's a certain height, that yep. she's a certain like hair color. You're telling you
0: mentioned this to God. You're not writing it down, or did you have both? I didn't. I didn't write it down, write but down. I did. Okay. I did fair. pray it out. Okay.
1: And like all these things, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, about her, and her family. Right. Then long. Oh gosh, this is a long story. But the 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 next part is my mom and her end up running together on a on a team to raise awareness for cancer and raise money for cancer because my wife's sister got cancer and she's fine now, but she had cancer. And so my mom was my wife's coach. And so then we got introduced that way and we spent six months together emailing back and forth because she didn't live close by. And so then eventually we met in person and then long story short, we got married. Okay. So to answer your question, Mm -hmm. one of the topics that I think a lot of couples don't, talk about that we were able to talk about because we had the six month email kind of like quote unquote e-harmony type dating experience. We talked about money and we talked about how we were going to share accounts and that her money is my money. My money is her money. And as soon as we were married, that's how it was going to be. And her name would go on to the accounts that I have and she would move her money over and that we would always share money and whatever she makes as a nurse, was is, is our money, and whatever I make at the time as HR professional it was our money, okay, and that was huge to have that conversation
0: right
1: Another one we had was about number of kids we're gonna have, and that one, one. <laughs> that one didn't line up for about two years okay <laughs> uh so those were two of them, and we've had various other ones as well, but those are two that quick pop to mind
0: that's that I'm uh, you know, I'm proud of you and her for that because what I've learned about. my research is that especially in this country you've got tab taboo topics right so we're not supposed to talk about religion we're not supposed to talk about politics not supposed to talk about money not supposed to talk about sex so and in talking to people outside of the us especially in europe i was talking to one woman the other day and she said topics that are always spoken about there especially in relationships young are the four taboo US topics mm-hmm. so when she came to this country just making an assumption that those four topics are fair game she started when she would network and start talking and she was told you can't talk about this you can't not used to it now i haven't done the data research yet to see if there's a correlation between you know taboo topics and divorce in the us and non taboo topics and divorce in mm. Europe, i'm going to make a th- have a theory that the the couples that in wherever country the couples that did talk about those four topics early in the relationship are probably the ones that are still together and thriving because it it you learn your communication method and you set and manage expectations in four major topics that should not be surprises what are your thoughts about that
1: Uh, Yes. I I would think that if the couple beforehand discussed those things and was brutally honest about it, that it was really helpful. I know that my wife and I discussed the frequency of sex before we got married. Mm -hmm. We talked about the political standings that we have Mm -hmm. and talked about uh, religious standings. We both were brought up differently, religiously speaking. Excuse me, And there were some things that I had stances on and there's some things that she has stances on and we played it out and we played out all the other things too, and I would I would definitively and confidently say, with my wife standing next to me if she were, that we're in the best place we've ever been in our marriage, and that's an accumulation of getting to the best place, right? Like, right, right. I was an asshole. Excuse my language, but I was an asshole for the for months three to about nine of our marriage. Complete oh. utter. I was terrible. Um,
0: (laughs) Wow, you can you can pinpoint it there. I'm curious. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: I was I was still identifying her with my mom and my sister. And so I treated her in a a very unfair way, putting on her expectations Mm -hmm. of what I of how I was raised, and my experiences with my mom and my sister and putting that on her in terms of what she should be like as a wife and a companion and all that kind of stuff. And so I was a jerk. And then I realized it, confessed it told her I was sorry. And then how did you
0: realize it. it? (laughs) there we go
1: i want yeah i want to learn this one we we were in an argument who knows what heck it was about it was (laughs) i'm sure i started it yeah and then we were talking 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 i'm like sarah well my wife's name is carrie my sister's name is sarah all right there you go yeah (laughs) and that was the the trigger moment for me that i went oh i'm projecting i need to resolve some stuff uh-huh. in my head and heart with my sister and right keep my wife out of it because that's not fair Good and so you. I resolved those things very intentionally with my sister in my heart my head and with her directly and then yeah. since I mean I haven't been like that ever since then wow. but that you was a really big deal
0: wow in, in technical terms you you finally drew some boundaries that a lot of guys yeah. don't I mean I had right. the same issue and I never addressed them and now I'm yeah. divorced. Uh, I had the same issues where the, uh, I didn't have that aha moment until after the divorce. So good for you to to pick up on that. I mean, you know what? There's a reason. Maybe God just planted your sister's name in your brain when you were meant to say your wife because that happened for a reason. And you, caught oh yeah. It. So good. for oh, You yeah. there? All right. So that's cool. So now you 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 the, you're not that asshole for the months three to six. And, uh, and now things are coping, things are going well right now. So with the, uh, what was the, when you, when you talked about kids, not um you know, yes, how many, but also when, how did that come about? Cause the whole fatherhood thing is obviously what we talk about here. So I'm really curious about that one.
1: Yeah. I think we're sitting on a couch in our, in our house. And we just started talking about when we wanted to have kids. And I think it was really simple. It was like, well, why don't we just start having kids? <laughs> and you already was, all right. So you already married at the time when you finally had that conversation. It wasn't before. Okay. We, we were. We already intended. We knew we wanted to have kids. Both uh-huh. of us wanted kids, and the the debate was between whether we we're going to have two or four. Got it. Even and, though, okay. Yeah, because my wife is a middle child, and okay. she didn't want to have a child. that's yeah. a middle child because the middle child is deflected.
0: A lot of middle, a middle children say that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so
1: we, we fought, fought, fought is a too strong word, but we fought about yeah, two right. and four. And then she really wanted four. And I'm like, I don't want to do four. And then at one point we were sitting, when we had two at the time, we were sitting on the couch in a different house. And I, ha- I remember I had my arm on the couch and on her at the same time. And she just kind of looked at me and said, you know what? I think i will be okay with three. And I'm like, great. And then within just like a month or so, we got pregnant again and we had her oh,
0: <laughs> had the go. third.
1: So it was just that point of, of like coming to terms and having peace about what we were going to, what we decided to do. Uh, But we definitely debated for several months, uh, Mm -hmm. whether we were going to have more than two or not. So, Mm -hmm. but it was good debates and good reasons. We heard each other out, that kind of stuff.
0: That's great. That's great. And so when the third daughter came, did you go back and say, I want the son or you just, you, you went with the expectations and you're like, cool. Uh, three daughters is
1: awesome. No, I was done. I'm like, three's great. I'm good. <laughs> I
0: love it. So tell me fatherhood with a, I have one daughter and two boys, but it it is an amazing, I, I can speak to the the difference between the relationship with a father and son and father and daughter. Tell me about your relationship with your daughters and is it different uh, with the birth daughters, the oldest, youngest, the middle child, the whole deal.
1: There's a lot of emotion involved in our home uh, from okay. the daughters. My wife doesn't, she's pretty stoic. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm emotional too, okay. right. but the age, if the uh, birth order for my kids, the youngest is the most fiery. Uh, okay. She's the one that bump. Bu-
0: Six year old is the most fiery. Yeah.
1: She, she and I bump heads the most because okay. she, <laughs> she's like me the most. And so we bump heads the most. And I'm, and I'm
0: learning L- so she can hear her name. Lydia. Lydia. Okay. So Lydia and you bump heads sometimes.
1: Yep. And, and we're, we're dealing with it. We're working with it. Uh, she's very stubborn and very direct and, and assertive. And so that all is going to play out beautifully in her life. Uh,
0: exactly. I was going to say that, that the challenges that our children have when they're young that the parents try to quell are the strengths that they will have as adults. Spot on, man.
1: Right, so I'm trying to be a help her to create a channel for where to go versus to, to squash it in any way. And then the middle kiddo is is our most passive child, and okay. so she she appears lazy, but she's actually very creative. She's left handed and le- right brained and thinks very creatively. Love the lefties. Okay, what's her name? Uh,
0: Haley. So Haley's the middle child, and she's passive. Um that she doesn't she's does she have assertiveness in there at all so people don't walk all over her if she's passive
1: i don't know if there's too much opportunity for people to do that yet because she's yeah. surrounded by well i mean when her sisters are jerks to her then she she definitely doesn't put up with it
0: Right.
1: Uh, but it's a more of an emotional reaction right yeah. so we're, we're helping her to be more not more assertive i'm not too worried about that i think she'll figure yeah. that out okay good uh, what I'm, what we're working on with her is, put the effort in. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. It's okay. Put put the effort in when it comes to playing piano, or when it comes to schoolwork, or when it comes yeah. to whatever. Yeah. With your friends, it's okay to put the effort in, and if it doesn't work out, that's okay too. But sure. we just want you to give it your best, effort. right? Perfect. And, and tell all my kids that. But give it your best, and if it doesn't work out, I don't care. It's like my oldest. Mm-hmm. You know, I say she's a soccer player. She's she's pretty good, and I say to her, I want you to give it your best. And then I asked her, I said, what is your best? And she says, well, I score three goals and this and that. And I said, no, that's not your best.
0: No, I get it. Okay. Yeah. I
1: said, that's not your best. Your best is the effort you put in. And, it, and if you make a bunch of passes that lead to goals, or if you stop the ball or whatever, and you put in your best effort, that is what's your best. Not that you scored two or three goals.
0: That's a good lesson, Kyle, because if she was a ball hog and didn't pass and scored three goals... And use that as her best effort. That's a different lesson, but the good lesson you gave her is you're right. You're that. That's a good point. Very good point.
1: So what was interesting is so she, so to get to Annalise, my oldest, mm-hmm. she's, she's um she's pretty sociable, mm-hmm. uh, very school and task and intentional, you know, very easy for her to, for us to get her to do her work. And right. she wants to do things with excellence, all that. Um, uh, with her a couple of weeks ago, she had her best soccer game ever. Oh, I and I made know. it very clear to her. She asked me, well, what did you, what would you rate my game? I'm like, I give you a nine on this game. Wow. But she didn't score a single goal. Oh, okay. And okay. the last game she scored two goals. And I'm like, I gave you a seven. Interesting. But, because the effort was just so different. You right, know, right. it was clear that she gave great effort in the last game, but she gave a different effort in the previous game. Okay, And that's what I want my kids to know is like, I want you to love learning. I want you to pursue excellence, and I want you to love God. Like, if I can teach my kids those three things, then I, everything else is squared away, in my opinion. If they love yeah. learning anything they get stumbled onto, they can right. they can learn about and pursue. Right. It's easy. Absolutely. They pursue excellence, recovered, and then, of course, they've got the spiritual side, too. Right, so, right. And I just need to, um, what's the word, uh, embody this and be an example, and so does my wife. And that's not easy, but, but it's right. worth it. Worth the try.
0: <laughs> uh, no, it's a very, that's a very good point because our kids emulate our behavior. Right. So th- those are great, like, cause you're, you're giving them a solid foundation. Cause you're right. Those three, those three things are going to, uh, give them some security and some confidence to move on and not be afraid of stuff. So let's talk about the embodiment, how you, uh, want to walk the walk, how, how, as far as fatherhood goes, what challenges have you had to walk the walk?
1: You know, my, my phone is, is the video. And if, if I didn't, if it wasn't the video, I'd hold it up.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I'd say that's right. Right now. That's the thing I'm working on is when I'm done with work that I, I leave my phone and my iPad upstairs and I'm done. Okay. And then on the weekends, I only get it out in the morning to do some, some morning type stuff. And that morning mean five thirty to seven. And then when that's done, I, I don't get it out again, unless I'm going to go outside and work on the yard and listen to a podcast or something. Okay. Otherwise i I'm, I'm, this is a new habit I'm developing. I'm mm-hmm. getting rid of that. And, and the picture here is, yes, it's good to get rid of those things, those distractions and be present, but it's the discipline of, of being present that I'm really trying to instill in myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to be present, be available to my children. And I've noticed if I'm reading a book, and right? I like to read books just like you do. Mm-hmm. And if my kids interrupt me while I'm reading a book, I'll just like mark the page in my head on where I am on the paragraph. And I was like, what's going on? And I'll talk to them. But if they interrupt me when I'm looking at my phone, my my level of irritation goes from like a two or a zero to a six. Is that amazing? Yeah. That's... It's ridiculous. But with the yeah. book, there's no irritation. I'm just, I'm, it's a different attention yeah. And the, the level of disrespect I give my kids because mm. they interrupted me over some stupid video I'm watching is yeah. awful. So learning to control that mm-hmm. by eliminating it from the context or at least learning how to control my response when I'm interrupted in the middle of my entertainment mm. is is a big piece of the pie for me right now.
0: Well, that's crucial because you're you're being intentional and, you know, 95 percent of our brain activity is on autopilot. So I give you credit for being able to be conscious of that behavior and then be intentional in changing that behavior for positive. So that's that's a good lesson right there. Absolutely. And when did you start trying that?
1: Last week, <laughs> I've tried so it a got, few times.
0: All right, so you've got so if you're able to do that consec twenty one or so consecutive days, they say that's a f- habit formed. So yeah,
1: the neuroscience behind it is sixty three. Like you need twenty one, three sets of 21,
0: that's to, 21.
1: Okay, to really get it through. If you're gonna, if you're gonna undo the grooves. Let's call well, them. that's true. You
0: got to undo the bad habits, the, the old habits, while you're starting a new one. A good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I'm, you know, 10 days in or whatever it is. And, and it's, it's been good so far, you know, it's been going well. And now uh, I just need to continue that in, in the context of like the evenings, once the kids go to bed so that I don't get distracted by it when I'm, when my wife and I have an hour and a half roughly together. So.
0: You know, another part with that too is training the outside world of a different expectation now, because if, the outside world has gotten used to you having that thing on you 24 seven and responding right away. Then all of a sudden to them, it changed overnight. And so do you, have you had to communicate that to people on the outside?
1: No, I've already kind of set that expectation up with my clients and with people in my life. Uh, and most of my friends, they have that boundary too, where after basically from dinner time forward, I'm not available. And that's how they are too, Mm -hmm. because dinner time, you sit with your family, you have a conversation, Mm -hmm. you try to stretch out that time at the table so that conversation is real. None of my kids have devices. Even the 11 year old doesn't have a device. And so it's
0: hard to do. Yeah,
1: they don't they don't do TV, but maybe they they get TV three or maybe four times a week, meaning they get to watch one show. So they're getting no more than two hours a week of TV. Um, And if they're using a device, it's because they're getting learning coding, or they're learning some sort of a topic. Uh, So so we don't use devices or TV for entertainment, hardly at all in our home, because this, it's stunting growth for people in terms of emotional development. And the most important part for me is, besides the three things I mentioned is I need to develop the emotional intelligence of my kids, not their IQ, I can't really help that too much. But the EQ is something that I want to develop in my kids as much as I possibly can. And it's also my work with my clients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I want to help them develop their EQ, their emotional intelligence, because yeah. that's what's going to make them successful. So so I need to need to do that with my children too.
0: Well, it's very true. And 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 the thing is, is there's going to be external pressures on the kids. And the earlier that they learn that you don't need that device as a crutch to do your daily activities the better off they're going to be how do you handle i don't don't like that term running with the joneses i don't even know how that came about that that term but how do you how do you um counteract the the pressures from the outside well so-and-so has this and i want it and boom how do you handle that as a father
1: yeah, for us with her oldest, she's starting down that path because there's a lot of kids already that have devices in her fifth grade class. Yeah. And so she came up with an argument the other day or a, or a, I'll call it an argument, a reason why she thinks she can yeah. have a phone. Yeah. And we're like, OK, that's good. That's not we're not that's not a satisfactory argument when you have when what you have a something- reason,
0: if you don't mind sharing that.
1: It was because everybody else had the phone and then it was hard for her to know where her friends were at school because she couldn't message them.
0: Got it. Okay. Okay. And so,
1: so we, we gave her some suggestions on what you could do to make sure that doesn't happen again without a device. Mm -hmm. And then we said, when you have a better argument, come back to us with that, the reasoning for why you think you should have a phone and, and let us know. And so she hasn't yet. Uh, at some point, she will, and at some point yeah. we will want to get her a device uh yeah. I don't know how smart I want it to be, but at some point, I want her to get a device and we don't we don't shield our kids uh yeah. they We were in Mexico, and they saw the culture of of very some very poor people, so they' yeah. they've seen that culture seen that yeah. Uh, they've. We talked to them. The two oldest. We talk to them about sex. We talk to them about violence. We talk to them about school violence. We right. we don't guard them from that world. Right. 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 Uh, um. But I want to introduce that stuff to them personally. I don't. I don't want the phone to introduce them to an image of a penis. I. I, I don't. Th- that's not what's needed.
0: <laughs> no, no. No. And that that that's true. And I. I, I think by you addressing it early earlier rather than later it preempts them learning it in school too because we were surprised because i forget even what grade my son was in it was it was and it was supposed to be health class and they were teaching him sex education it was like fifth grade and comes back with a book that wasn't a drawing it was like like real and Caught me off guard, and so you never know what the school system is going to teach. So it's best that you do as much as you can early enough, so it comes from you and not from outside sources, because it it is a challenge. So good for you with that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah,
1: it's a journey. We don't have it figured out.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, it's a journey. So (laughs) with fatherhood, uh, what what kind of fears do you have
1: moving forward? You know, my youngest. And I, like I said before, we we don't get along sometimes. Yeah. And when your daughter or son tells you that they hate you when they're six, yeah, right, because they're emotionally irritated at you because you asked them to put their dishes away.
0: Right. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that can be kind of painful. And and my concern is that as she continues to be frustrated with me in these in these episodes, it's not a continual thing by any means, right, but. Right. It's not an always thing I should say, but as she gets frustrated with me in these episodes, I don't want that to skew my desire to be intentional and be close to my daughter and to love of her. Of right. Of and it can, because the other day as we, I was walking them to the bus, because we've got to like a quarter mile walk to get to the bus stop. Mm-hmm. And so I was walking them to the bus and Lydia, my youngest was just screaming at me. I hate you. I don't want to do this. I don't want to see you again, all this stuff. And, Then I was just leaving it alone, got to the bus stop. And I said to all three of my girls, I said, you know, I have feelings too. And then I, and then I walked away. And I think that for me, I want them to realize, yes, I have feelings too. What you say to me matters and it hurts Mm -hmm. me. But Mm -hmm. I, for myself, need to be careful that I don't let a six-year-old's just a six-year-old impact the way that I treat her and the emotional connection that I have with her. Because we do that. We do that. Parents will create this animosity between their child and themselves. And it's like, that's really immature on the parent's part to do that.
0: It's the emotional ego state that takes over for the, for the adult, which is not, um, not healthy for themselves or for the kids. Right. Uh, That's a great, that's a great thing to say, because that's fact. It's truth. Dad has feelings. And now, um, do you think that that resonated with your youngest Did has she said anything like that since you said Daddy has feelings
1: too? So we've continued the the butting heads, but we've also continued the like intentional conversations. And when I mean intentional conversations, Mm -hmm. we have a porch on our on in the front of our house, and. There's some steps obviously lead up to the front door and she was crying because she was really mad that she couldn't, I think it was she wanted to watch TV and we're like, no, you can't watch TV. And so she's screaming and yelling. And so what we do is she won't stay in her room. She won't, there's all kinds of things she's not going to do as a punishment. So we put her outside. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so she's screaming and yelling and ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door and like trying to get back inside and yelling all these things. And then she chills out a little bit. So I go outside and I sit down on the steps and I go, Lydia, come here. And she somehow, for some reason, like for a moment was sober because she's drunk, right? Like she's Mm -hmm. drunk with anger. And so she was for a moment sober. And then she sat on my left knee and I looked at her and I said, I love you. And I said, I'm, you're frustrating me. These kind of things make me mad. And I don't think you should do do these things, but no matter what, I still love you in this. And, and then she's like, she chilled out. We let her inside. But then the next day. For the first time in like months, she told me without me saying it first that she loves me. Oh. Right? right. And then since then, she said it a couple more times. Okay. So things are starting to come together. Yeah. For her and her head and for us and our relationship.
0: That's beautiful.
1: But the thing is, it's a lot of work. Them- and I can't throw my hands up and be like, what the F? And not do the work. Yeah. I got to be like, okay, yeah. this, this five minute interaction changed our relationship Mm -hmm. for when she's 25
0: yeah oh absolutely
1: you know so it's worth that five minutes of me humbling myself and not needing to get my way with the punishment or whatever so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's hard that's the ego thing you mentioned right like letting just letting go of the dang ego
0: (laughs) well you know you that's a, a lot of good points and a lot of good lessons there um uh, yeah i have the same probably same views you have with all this punishing thing but many parents will punish their kid and then the punishment has nothing to do with the behavior that upset the parent to begin with so no lesson is learned by the child yeah. and no lesson is learned by the parent so yeah if, if you can think of punishment second <laughs> and more of teaching moments um like what you did like you said that 5 minutes I mean, it was even less than five seconds by saying "Daddy has feelings too." Huge, right. Right. absolutely huge the impact that has, and uh, I commend you for that. So that's great. Well, and it's
1: what I'm sharing with you is like the highlights, the Instagram version, right? Because yeah, 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 yeah. there's the times where my voice is too loud. Oh yeah, and yeah. Oh, yeah. and yeah. and I've been a jerk to the kids, yeah. and and there's this just animosity in the home that's not fair right right but i'm that is far and few between now it still happens and and yeah. it sucks and no, yeah
0: we're we're, we're human it's, it's gonna, right yeah.
1: but but it's like this in in my blue shirt you know blue stands for it's an acronym and it, it right. stands for be be a self-aware leader lead with accountability use a growth mindset and empower others in parenting, my job, my number one job is I need to be really self-aware. Like for internally for myself, my number one job is I need to be very right. self-aware. Right. Because my tone of voice, my body language, my attitude, my speed of of expectations of what I think they need to get done in a certain time, or they're how they're supposed to react to me, all that is self-awareness. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, tell us a little about your business professionally. What you do? Tell you mentioned a little about Blue Shirt and the acronym. So yeah. So let's kick it off because father's work too. So go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So I, I work with dads that are running businesses and they're successful in their business, but they're family is being sacrificed a little bit in the process and they want to stop that. They want to fix that. So I, I help them on both sides of the equation to help them systematize their business, create some more accountability and empower their team better so that they have more flexibility to be at home to honor the life that they want to live at home. Okay. And everybody's going to be different and unique, right? So one dad and family might be okay with a 60 hour work, week another family may want only a 30 hour work Mm -hmm. week Mm -hmm. right for their business I don't whatever it's up to that family it's up to that dad to figure out what appropriate balance there is but I help them get there through like I said the systems and processes And the blue is that process that's the umbrella of it and then we coach coach through it so that's that's my work and it's fun to do It ultimately results in a lot more profitability for businesses because they're in a better place. The the owner is in a better place. Right, right. It's a lot more empowering and a lot more delegation happens. So a lot of good stuff happens as a result of working through that process.
0: That's great because you're you're actually uh, adding value, not just in their business, in their personal life too, because they can take what they apply in business and transfer it right over to home.
1: Uh, 100%. I mean, and home
0: to business and home to business, <laughs> it goes both ways. And you're really showing that. The, I mean, this the term work life balance is a misnomer. And I believe a yeah. myth, Um, you know, we got 24 hours in a day. So things are going to overlap. And you're yep. teaching these men and business owners to be able to take a strength in one area and bring that strength to the other part of their life. And same thing with their opportunities for improvement, any kind of weaknesses to improve those and bring them to both sides. That's that's that sets up the whole person as opposed to these these uh, people who are told they have to compartmentalize work. And you can't do that.
1: No, no, you can't. Well, there's an adage in coaching that says coach the person, not the problem. Exactly. And when you coach the person, you, you change lives. You teach people to fish, for example, yep. but if you coach the problem, you know, we know what that means. It's not, not helpful. No, absolutely no. not.
0: All right. Two final questions. You are now sitting down with seven to 10 year old Kyle, and you want to give him some advice on life. What are you going to tell him?
1: Uh, Three things. I'm just going to say the number three. I have two in mind, but I think the third one will come. So first one is to not be so mean to your sister. Okay. Uh, my sister was brutal to me, uh, verbally brutal to me. And so we fought a lot and our relationship's rather strained still. Right. Like we we don't, connect too much yeah. if we do connect it's fine but we don't there's not a good relationship so every time i see something on tv where the brother and sister are like yeah. hugging each other and supporting each other i'm like man it it sometimes makes me cry because yeah. it's just kind of devastating to me that sure. we didn't do that for each other right okay um, so be more intentional with my sister mm-hmm. number two learn more from my dad so mm. i spent a lot of time doing my own thing and you know, my dad's an orange farmer. And so he he wears a lot of hats and he has a lot of skills and I could have learned those skills from him, but I I think in certain ways I avoided them because of low self-confidence. Okay. And so like embrace that relationship with my dad more. Mm-hmm. And we have a great relationship now, but there was so much more I could have learned from him. right? right. And I kind of pushed him away. I don't, I don't think he pushed me away much at all. Like mm-hmm. this was me at a young age, afraid of my dad and not willing to embrace the lessons I could learn from him. Um, and and so I learned a lot from him mechanically and, and spiritually and emotionally, but like there's pieces that I could have learned that I didn't.
0: Can you still learn them now?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, not so much the like mechanical stuff, but the right. philosophy, the yeah. philosophical things and emotional that
0: opportunity. Action. So that's good. Embrace yeah. that opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: for sure. Uh, and then thirdly, You are as, as a, as a seven to 10 year old, Mm -hmm. I am, you are, however you want to put it. I I think what I think of as friends actually Mm
0: -hmm.
1: is pursue those friendships Mm -hmm. as deeply and as widely as you can, you know, don't be afraid of taking risk and pursuing friendships Mm -hmm. because that's what makes life rich is those friendships and those relationships. Right. So, don't be afraid of that. I had great friendships when I was younger and great friendships in high school and college, but I think there's some pieces missing that could have been even greater. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I would say to that, to my seven to to 10 year old self.
0: All right. So now different hat, you're sitting down with Kyle, the young professional, young entrepreneur, ready to go out in the world and, and make his mark. What kind of advice are you going to give young businessman, Kyle?
1: I'm sure we've heard this before, but do it scared. I I like to talk about the imposter syndrome and how people are afraid of the imposter syndrome. Like, I don't want to feel like that. And and when people talk to me about it or I coach around it, I ask them, is it okay if you feel like an imposter? And often that results in the conversation that goes to, actually, if I don't feel like a fake, I'm not going to be able to grow. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so I have this little phrase that I made up that says, if you don't feel like a fake, it's a fact that you're not going to grow. Mm. But if you feel like a fake, or if you take the risk, if you feel like an imposter, it's a fact that you're going to grow, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, I need to embrace that imposter. I need to get up on that stage that scares me. I need to mm-hmm. say yes to that client that makes way more money than me and is older than me and has more experience mm-hmm. than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to say yes to these things and also take the risk to, to say no to other things. Yeah. So that would be one piece. And I guess the second piece would be along the lines of friendship. Network like crazy. Mm-hmm. Connect with as many people as you possibly can with the expectation that you're going to serve them, right. not the other way around. Absolutely. So that those would be the two pieces.
0: I love them. I love them. Love them. All right. Well, the audience got to learn the essence of Kyle Gillette and they're going to probably want to reach out to you, learn more about fatherhood and professionally. So let the audience know how they can reach you.
1: Yeah. Go to blueshirtcoaching.com for my website and the business coaching side of things. And then also if you go to Facebook and look up Blue Shirt Business Community, that's a community of over 150 business owners that are working through the Blue Shirt process, basically. We're all talking about those things, collaborating, networking together, and being very intentional on the know, like, and trust triangle. So those are the two best ways to connect with me.
0: Beautiful. Well, Kyle, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being in my life, my friend. I'm grateful we were introduced to each other and we've met for a reason and we'll just continue on that path. So thanks again for coming on.
1: Yeah, thank you, Drew. Appreciate it.
0: All right, everybody, take care. Be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you'd like to network with other fathers and share stories, please become a member of my Men's Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.